Hello everyone and welcome back to the Ordinary Podcast, a show that is in my opinion one of the absolute best nerd-centric life and culture podcasts for adults on the internet today. As always, I am your Ordinary Nerdy Host Shad. Today is Saturday, June 30th, 2018, and this is going to be episode number 56. The bulk of this episode is going to be just a discussion about some of what I've been up to and some news bits. There's actually a surprising amount of news out there considering we are, you know, a week removed from E3. And then, of course, I also wanted to briefly touch on the topic of gaming addiction, as I mentioned in last week's episode. Uh, so without, you know, beating around the bush, wasting time, let's get into what I've been up to. And uh, this past weekend, I got a fair bit of gaming done. That's probably the most gaming I've done in the last two weeks. Uh, I played the second episode of Telltale's Batman the Enemy Within. Absolutely loved seeing that. It's actually my second time playing this episode because the first time I streamed it, I didn't understand one of the prompts at the end of the of the episode. It's an episode or it's a choice in an episode that has been highly unpopular from what I can see on the internet. And it's that the the choice is poorly phrased and when you do what you think is the best choice depending on who you know in my opinion let me rephrase that the the, the issue is it's funny that I'm, I'm talking about poorly phrased stuff and i'm stumbling on my words the issue with it is is it it presents a choice in a manner that gives you no clue as to how it's going to play out the, the the wording of the choice says cut off and then there's two characters uh, cut off this character or cut off this character or head off. Head off this character, head off that character. Um, nowhere in there does that give you any clue as to what the outcome is going to be. I chose the outcome that made the most sense as far as what appeared to be like damage control. And it took the story in a direction I didn't want, so I replayed it. I normally don't do that with Telltale games. I accept my choices, the consequences of them. But I so thoroughly disliked what occurred and the the potential ramifications for it that I had to replay it. Episode was a lot of fun the second time through. I got a couple hours in with State of Decay 2 for the first time in a couple weeks. Uh, live streamed that as well. It uh, it's a really fun game. It, it, it's it's uh, not going to be a game for everyone. Uh, if you're the type that graphics are the first and foremost, you know, if graphics are the forefront of your idea of a fun game. State of Decay 2 is not going to be for you. Uh, if you don't like like managing several characters at once, State of Decay is not going to be for you. If you're tired of zombies, State of Decay isn't going to be for you. I happen to like several of those things. Uh, I, I dig switching between the characters. I, you know, graphics, while important, are not the single most important thing. Because if that were the case, I wouldn't enjoy playing Super Nintendo era games. Because those games graphically aren't that impressive um i think that's a, a silly standard always will um you know have good graphics have appropriate graphics but you know if you if you look at a game and the graphics are i mean unless, unless they're utter utter garbage i'll you know within reason um but if you look at a game and go well this doesn't look as good as this other game so therefore it can't be good that that's that's a silly silly way to do things It'd be like, you know, God of War is one of the best-looking games I've ever played, and if I immediately compare every other game I've played to that, none of them hold up 
to you know none of them none of them come close that I can I can see of the current games. So none of them can be as good. That that's a silly thought. I also played a little bit of the Hidden Ones DLC for Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, what with the announce of uh, the announcement of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it got me kind of interested in, in revisiting Origins because I, I really really enjoyed Origins. Haven't played it since February, but I got the DLC and decided, hey, why the hell not? Let's throw four hours of our weekend at this. Played a little more Yakuza Six. Streamed that Sunday night. I think I streamed four hours of it overnight into into Monday morning really fun game very close to the end I believe I wrapped up chapter 10 and I think there's only 12 chapters in the game total so we're getting very close to the end of that game a lot of fun can't wait to see the end to see how you know they wrap up the overall Yakuza story uh, also also spent some time playing both H1Z1 and PUBG on the H1Z1 on PlayStation and um, PUBG on Xbox Put a couple hours into each of them, live stream that, put it up as a series. It, there's a playlist on the Polynerdic YouTube channel called Let's Battle Royale Badly. Um, that was born off of Polynerdic Plays PUBG Poorly. I uh, couldn't come up with a similarly alliterative title for H1Z1, so I just decided to put them both under the branding Battle Royale Badly. A lot of fun, both games. Uh, actually had some decent matches. Some matches were almost victories, uh, so that, uh, especially in H1Z1, I didn't do nearly as good in PUBG, but uh, H1Z1 had some high finishes there at the end of of that run, a couple of them, so I nearly couldn't put this under the Battle Royale Badly branding because of that. All those games I played, though, Batman, State of Decay, Assassin's Creed Origins, Hidden Ones, Yakuza 6, and Battle Royale Badly, all of them have videos up on the Polynerdic YouTube channel. The only ones that aren't current are the Yakuza 6 ones, and that will be taken care of by the end of this weekend. So if you're listening to this on, like, Monday, Tuesday, chances are the Yakuza 6 playlist will be updated, and you'll see one of the best baby-tossing sequences in the midst of a martial arts fight I've ever witnessed when I get to posting that Yakuza 6 video. This weekend I also watched some movies. This was very much a weekend of leisure last weekend um i got around to watching the raid finally i've owned it for quite a while it's been a movie that's been on my radar for even longer than that finally decided this weekend to pull the trigger on watching it uh, i had the the afternoon to myself and i could not be happier with that movie that movie was fucking fantastic uh, i highly suggest it. it's a martial arts movie and a crime movie it's about a group of like 20 some odd cops they're doing a raid on a 30-story building that is just full of criminals. It's like a tenement building, an apartment building, and it's owned and ran by, like, a crime lord, and everybody who lives there is scum. And they are brought in to arrest the crime lord, and it just ends up being a slaughter. You know, they get trapped in, they get locked in. It's very reminiscent of the... I forget what year it came out, but the recent Judge Dredd movie, Dredd. Uh, in fact, when I saw Dredd, I saw a lot of people compared it to The Raid because The Raid came first. But it's similar in concept of, you know, these cops are in this building, they're locked out, the building gets locked down, and then it's just these, you know, slightly less than two dozen cops against 30 floors of bad guys. 
went back and uh, watched the director's cut of RoboCop for the first time in forever. Uh, actually, it's the first time I've ever seen the director's cuts, for, and it's the first time in forever I've seen RoboCop. Still holds up, nearly 30 years old. Uh, it's you know it's obviously got its cheesy moments, and you know and then there's the the various stop motion animation stuff with that 209 and some of the special effects, but still a very entertaining movie. And frankly, I I actually forgot how brutal Murphy's death is before he becomes RoboCop. That is a brutal shooting scene, and very one well done given the effects that were available at the time. Also watched for the first time ever this weekend, uh, Sweeney Todd. I have had it in mind to watch ever since my daughter's high school drama club put on a production of Sweeney Todd. Because prior to that, I was only, you know, vaguely familiar with the story. And I had the idea of what it was about, but not the full scope of the story. Really enjoyed the high school production of it. Decided at some point I was going to have to watch the movie. And then the other day, I'm going to say it was Monday morning while I was doing my laundry. I was, uh, no, it, it wasn't Monday morning while I was doing my laundry. It was Monday morning. Um, I was, I found myself with, you know, time to kill and decided I was going to go ahead and watch it. Um, you know what? I know this is just, just bad, bad production here, but it might've been while I did my laundry on Wednesday, I watched it. I don't remember what day of the week it was. I watched it, but I watched it this week. It was really good. I like Johnny Depp's performance was good. Uh, Mrs. Bonham Carter's, Carter's performance was good. Uh, Alan Rickman was amazing. I didn't even know he was in it, so that was a big surprise. Uh, really enjoyed what they did. And uh, for a musical, I, I normally don't do musicals, but this one was really good. And I couldn't be happier with having watched it. I uh, also watched Batman Return of the Joker. Uh, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. It's one of my favorite animated Batman movies. Like I, I was never really super into Batman Beyond as a, as a show. I grew up with Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Batman Beyond came a little later, and I, I didn't really, you know, it didn't really hook me the same at the time. Uh, I've watched a couple episodes of it since then. It's good, but this movie is fantastic. For those of you that don't know, um, it's set in the Batman Beyond universe. You know, Bruce Wayne's an old man. Terry McGinnis is now Batman. And it's, as the title says, it's the return of the Joker. He's he's back. You know, he's, he's instead of being an old man, he's, you know, middle-aged-ish. And he's leading, like, there, there is a gang established in the Batman Beyond universe that call themselves the Jokers. Uh, just, a, you know, a group of thugs that idolize Joker. But now he's at the helm of the gang. It's, and it's a good movie. There's some surprising twists and stuff if you've never seen it. And then finally got back into Supernatural after a couple years away from it. I'm only on season 11. Uh, I used to watch it every year. As soon as it hit Netflix, it was one of the shows that I watched. But I've just been really busy taking a lot of other stuff, making a lot of other stuff, and uh, have fallen away. But Chelsea and I sat down a couple days ago. I want to say it was probably Wednesday. Wednesday night with dinner, and we watched the first two episodes of season 11. Uh, that is the season with the darkness for, you know, our fellow Supernatural fans. So that's where we're at on that. And lastly, if you've been listening for the show, listening to the show for a while, you know that I, uh, I have been watching here and there Altered Carbon on Netflix. 
last week I decided to pick up the book because I really liked the show, but I, I just felt like I needed to see the source material. So I started reading the book. I'm about 100 pages into the book, and I like both pretty much equally. I think the book might have the slight lead overall as far as which one I favor, uh, but the show does some things that the book doesn't and I, that I think are better choices. Uh, namely, like for example, there's a there's an AI-ran hotel that the main character is uh, staying in. And in the book, it's called The Hendrix, and it's got a Jimi Hendrix theme, and the AI that runs it is just a, a voice on a computer that he talks to on occasion. Um, in the show, the hotel, if I remember correctly, is called The Raven, and it is ran by an AI that presents itself as Edgar Allan Poe, including a hologram. And I think that's much more interesting. Nothing against Jimi Hendrix, love his music. But I think the idea of this Edgar Allan Poe wannabe AI is infinitely more interesting than just a voice that comes out of a, a speaker box, you know? So that's what I've been up to. I um, almost went to the movies Wednesday. Uh, that's what was going on while I was doing my laundry. Didn't get to go to the movies. Chelsea went instead with her friend and they saw Jurassic World or Jurassic World or Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom that's the the correct title um I can confirm that there were dinosaurs in it and that Chris Pratt was alright and people died and some people were ripped apart and that there were dinosaurs I know I repeated that but there's lots of dinosaurs uh and Jeff Goldblum was there uh I can't tell you if it was any good or not uh but that's the stuff I know about Fallen Kingdom. Moving on to news. Like I said, this is going to be a pretty quick show this week. Um, but there are there are some important bits and pieces I want to discuss. And that uh, right out the gate, last night when I was putting this together, which it would be Thursday night, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, I record on Friday morning. Uh, it came out that Amy Hennig was no longer with EA. And that the Star Wars game that she was working on was on was on hold indefinitely. That was last night before I went to work. This morning, as I was fixing dinner after I got off work, uh, the story has changed. Amy Henning herself has weighed in. And it has come out that her and most of her team from Visceral... This is her words uh, off Twitter. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, they departed EA in January. Not long after the announcement of their game being canceled and the shuttering of Visceral Studios. So most of Ms. Hennig's team and herself left in January. The Star Wars game that they were making, uh, I think it was Codename Ragtag or something like that, that is still canceled. There is still no um, single-player Han Solo-esque rogues gallery of of you know like group of roguish characters that you could switch between and play a single player game that game is still still done the game that it was replaced with the one that people have kind of jokingly referred to as Star Wars Destiny that game apparently is still being made because uh, Miss Hennig said so that's I'm basing it entirely on her words she wished the studio making it all the luck in the world and uh, she apparently is developing a small studio of her own and we'll see where that goes but that's 
still heartbreaking news in my opinion. I know it's been a couple months, but I'm still so bummed out that uh, that game got canceled. I was very much looking forward to... I mean, this is the woman that, that created Uncharted. You know, she was one of the creative leads behind the Uncharted franchise. And while the early Uncharted games are not my favorite in the series, they were still solid games, excuse me. And I was very much looking forward to what she was going to do with the Star Wars license. And I also very much don't want another games as a service game, you know, even in a Star Wars universe. There's too many of those right now. I, I don't know what it's going to take for developers to realize. Uh, Jim Sterling said something about it uh, earlier in the week when he was talking about Call of Duty. Um, they're kind of all these all these developers are all these studios are putting out these games as a service games that you're supposed to keep dumping money into indefinitely and keep playing indefinitely because they just keep adding new content and new DLC and new cosmetics for you to spend money on and so on and so forth. But then they're also yearly release games. Um, and then also everyone is making them. So, you know, you've got Destiny and Call of Duty and, and the Star Wars game and, and, and so many more that just want your time. Yeah, I mean, you can throw Fortnite in there and Overwatch. You know, people are still crazy about Overwatch two years on. And it, it, it uh, all this, there's a finite number of, or finite amount of time, I guess is what I'm getting at it. And, and that time and money. And if every game is a game that is a unending multiplayer experience that you're supposed to just keep playing indefinitely as they add new content, you're you're like really, really, really going to fragment the player base, and you're not going to make as much money. Like I, I know a lot of people that only want to play single player games, even games that you can play single player if they have a multiplayer component to it. A lot of them aren't interested in it. I talk to a guy almost every day at work who has no interest in Fallout 76, no interest in Anthem, because they have a multiplayer component. Even though both those games can be played solo, there is a multiplayer element to it. He has no interest in it. He just wants to like a God of War or an Uncharted, where you just get in, you play the story, you move on to the next game. That's what he wants. And so many games apparently are not going to be that now. And it's, it's kind of silly. Speaking of silly, PUBG... They were suing Fortnite or Epic Games. That lawsuit has been canceled. I don't know why it was canceled. Um, you know, this all came out. They were suing them in South Korean courts. Uh, the lawsuit was filed in January. It was just only recently that the news broke here. Uh, you know, we know the whole thing, or at least I hope you do, where, you know, Epic was working with PUBG Core to make PUBG. PUBG is in Epic's engine, the Unreal Engine. Um, Tencent owns portions of both companies, Epic and PUBG Core, and it's just a big, ugly situation. You know, Epic was helping PUBG uh, get made, and then Epic came out and made their own battle royale game, and then you know, so there's ill will there, and kind of like a stab in the back kind of situation. All that stuff goes on, and it culminates in this lawsuit. Well, now this lawsuit's done. And then interestingly enough, around the same time they canceled the lawsuit, they put out an event pass thing similar to Fortnite's Battle Pass. A lot of PUBG's fans are not happy with the event pass from what I've seen. Uh, they did make some tweaks yesterday to change, you know, 
time on things, like the amount of time you have to put in to get the certain rewards and whatnot. But given that PUBG on the computer is still full of cheaters and all these problems it has and still doesn't run at 100%, uh, you know, optimization, it's still a buggy game, still a cheater-filled game, and then that doesn't even get into the Xbox nonsense, uh, where it is admittedly better than it was in December, but it's still way behind. Um, a lot of people are upset with them adding a paid event pass in it as well. Um, but it's good to hear they dropped the lawsuit because it was a silly lawsuit. Like I understood where some of it was coming from, where some of the bitterness was from, but you know, that, that that was a slippery slope. They were, they were starting to, you know, slip slide over the edge of Overwatch has a new character coming. That was announced. I know know there's a, a portion of people out there that still love Overwatch. I have a handful of children in my life that are super into it. Um, Rumored to be named Hammond. It is a hamster and a mech. And I don't know what to think of it. It's, you know, like I'm, I'm not the biggest Overwatch fan to begin with. But it is a relevant bit of news. I, I will have to pull my children this weekend when I have them to see what they think of the hamster and the death machine. But uh, that's their new character. More upsettingly um, than the death machine hamster is uh news broke that the demo that was shown behind closed doors and the and the footage that we've seen at e3 of cyber cyberpunk 2077 apparently that is a pre-alpha build of the game and that it was from everything i've read it was the build of the game that was the cleanest that they had available like the, the segment they showed the the games media people behind closed doors was the most put together portion of the game they had. But the rest of the game is way far away from being finished. Uh, They're talking years away. An article last week said that they were targeting current gen consoles. But with it looking like the next gen of consoles is coming in 2020. And, you know, it's we're already halfway into 18 if it makes, this is just my speculation based on the on the stories I've read. If it makes this console cycle, this console generation, it will be one of the last games out on it. And probably, I would not be surprised if it's on Xbox Scarlet or whatever, the PlayStation 5, one would assume. Um, it'll probably be on those two based on that news. Because uh, we are years away from those two consoles arriving also years away from this game arriving it only makes sense that it would be on both uh, in other lawsuit news I suppose I probably should have segued out of the, the PUBG Fortnite news into this one Bethesda is now suing, suing Warner over a Westworld game that they put out that is very similar to Fallout Shelter according to the stories I read and listened to the Bethesda spotted a bug that was in early code of Fallout Shelter that they were able to work out before Fallout Shelter released in the Westworld game. I guess it is a very specific visual bug uh, that was identical to the bug they had. Warner, on the other hand, is saying these allegations are ridiculous. Um, I'm paraphrasing. But it uh, it's interesting to see that you know Bethesda's games, as much as I love them, they are known for their jank. And it is hilarious 
that they spotted a potential theft of their code or a game made with code that belongs to them. Um, they spotted that as an issue strictly because it was a bug that they were familiar with that they had worked out of their deal. That, that, that cracks me up. Who knows how the lawsuit will go. Um, Bethesda can be a, lit, a bit litigious at times, it seems. But, that, I mean, if it's if if it ends up being valid that it is their their old code that they own was used to make this other game, they, they probably owed a little bit. Sony is still balking at the idea of crossplay. Uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks and months, it, crossplay has been on a lot of people's minds. Uh, several months ago, I don't know if you remember this story, but several months ago, for something, for just a brief moment, I'm not sure how long it was, uh, for a brief moment, um, Fortnite Battle Royale could be played cross-play with Xbox and PlayStation. Um, everybody wants it. I know I talked about it a lot when I was in, first in, into Destiny, or rather when my girlfriend first got into Destiny 2. Uh, I had just finished playing it on Xbox, and it, there was these moments when she was first getting into it, and I was just finishing it, that we were we would be playing Destiny in the living room together, but separately. I'd be on the Xbox, and she'd be on the PlayStation, and it, it just sucked that we couldn't play together. Now, Fortnite, again, uh, just a week or two ago, it came out on Switch, and then people realized that when they tried to play it on Switch... If they tried to use their Epic account, um, you know, because Epic has a launcher of its own, and you sign in an account and link it to your PlayStation, Xbox, or Switch, if you had linked your Epic account to your PlayStation account, you could not use it on Switch. And that's that's drummed this whole thing up again. This whole concept of, of cross-play being a thing. And, you know, and then just this past week, Microsoft and Nintendo were doing their cutesy little brand back and forth thing on Twitter about Minecraft. You can play Minecraft on Switch and play like if I'm playing on Xbox and you're playing on Switch, we can play together now. That's, that's awesome. That's something we've all wanted, I think, as gamers for a long time. Sean Layton, uh, Layton of uh, Sony, um, you know, Sony bigwig, Sean. You see him out there every, every E3. Uh, he said in an interview, I think it was with Eurogamer, uh, when asked about crossplay with Fortnite specifically, he said, we're hearing it, we're looking at a lot of possibilities, you can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community, while at the same time supporting our business. And that's, that. I forget the name of the guy who said it last week, but there was news that came out last week that... I guess he was the former head of Sony's online gaming division, and he said it all comes down to money. What it comes down to is is that you know if you buy a thing on Xbox, Sony doesn't want you being able to bring that over to the PlayStation because they don't get their cut of what you buy on Xbox. And while part of me understands that argument, the greater portion of me still wants to call bullshit because... That aside, purchases aside, this attitude of blocking crossplay is anti-consumer and anti-gamer. 
you know, you're being anti your community, you know, they supporting our bit or accepted by our gaming community that he uses that sentence and in, in his statement, if you care about your community, you'll, you, you would unlock this shit and let it happen because I know people like in my, my instance, my girlfriend has a PlayStation four. I have an Xbox one. I have a buddy. He owns both. I know several people that own both. And they like to play certain games on certain consoles. I mean, you, you got your exclusives. That doesn't change. Sony will have the, you know, God of War will only be on Sony. And Microsoft, Halo will only be on Microsoft. You know, you get that. But you have all those third-party games that are on both. Your Call of Duty, your Battlefield, your Star Wars Battlefront, your Fortnite, your, you know, so many games. Assassin's Creed, all those games that are on on all, all platforms or most platforms. Some people are gonna prefer to play them, one one on the other. Like sometimes I make my decisions based on like, you know, my kids come every other weekend, and they play a lot of Overwatch. While they're playing Overwatch on my Xbox, I need something to play on the PlayStation. So I buy certain games based on that thinking. Like, this is something I can play while they're playing. Other times, it's it's a design thing. Like, I like to live stream. So if a game has, you know, some UI elements that are at the bottom center of the screen, and it's the sort of game that I'm going to want to stream, I probably will buy it on the PlayStation because their streaming interface doesn't block the bottom of the screen the way Xboxes does. You know, there's decisions like that that factor in. So, like, you, you're going to... I'm going to buy, and other people are going to buy what they're going to buy on the, the console of choice. You know, like, a game like Assassin's Creed, I'm more likely to play on PlayStation. A multiplayer shooter, I'm more likely to play on Xbox because that's where my friends are. The friends that I play multiplayer games with are on Xbox. But there's instances, like the aforementioned Destiny one, where... I would like to play with my girlfriend, but I would also like to play with my girlfriend without having to buy another console and another copy of the game. You know, like that, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like there, there's, we should be able to do cross play. It's super anti-consumer. I know, I don't know if my, my argument's making any sense, but I don't think you should be blocking that anymore. You know, they talk about supporting their business. Like I'm going to buy the games on PlayStation that I'm going to buy on PlayStation regardless but if I happen to ha- make a friend playing a game on PlayStation, but I own, you know, and they want to play Battlefield Five, but I own Battlefield Five on Xbox, it would be great to be able to play cross-platform. You know, other games. You know, this has been, a, you know, it's Fortnite, it's Rocket League, it's Minecraft, it's, you know, so many. Like I don't play Rocket League, but these are all games that people play that are that people have been clamoring for the the cross-play option, and I think it's bullshit that Sony keeps holding this back. I mean, I granted, like, from what I understand, they were down with the idea of it in the PlayStation 3 era when they weren't the market leader. Now they're outselling Microsoft, like, 5 to 1, 6 to 1, something like that. And they're going to be dicks about, like, no, why would we do that? Why would we extend the olive branch? Like, I don't give a fuck about your corporate rivalries. Do right by your consumers, by your customers, by your, uh, what he called, community. You know, you're... You're you're so concerned with your gaming community understanding and accepting what you have to say 
do right by them and, and open up the crossplay. That's that's all I have on that note. Uh, we got some news coming up with the freebies and the Game Pass and stuff. Uh, Xbox Game Pass in July will be adding Fallout 3, Oblivion, Abzu, Dirk 4, Zombie Army Trilogy, Shadow Complex Remastered, and Human Fall Flat all on the 1st. So that's, what, Monday? Uh, Fallout 3 is amazing, uh, but it has aged horribly. Uh, Oblivion I don't honestly care too much for. Uh, Skyrim still my Elder Scrolls game of choice. Abzu is fantastic. It's like Underwater Journey. Dirt 4, I understand, is a fantastic simulation racing game. You know, Dirt Rally kind of stuff. I got a buddy at work that loves it on this PlayStation 4. Uh, zombie Army Trilogy is exactly what it sounds like. It's a zombie army game. You know, you shoot zombies. Uh, Shadow Complex Remastered is considered by many to be one of the best Metroidvania-style games ever made. Uh, it's one I've always been interested in, but I've never played, so I'm very happy it's coming to Game Pass. Human Fall Flat is one that I've seen on the Xbox Game Preview program. Don't know anything about it. In addition to those games... On the 10th of July, Bomber Crew comes. I don't know what that is, uh, so I can't tell you anything about it. And then on the 11th, Warhammer Vermintide 2 comes out on Game Pass. I think it's the official release date of the game on consoles. Um, I have not played much of Vermintide. I played a little bit of the first one when it, uh, or at least took a look at it. I don't know if I actually played it now that I think about it. I think I fired it up, saw what it was, and then backed away because uh, it's it's like a Left 4 Dead style game, but in the Warhammer universe, and it deals with the Vermintide, which is like a plague of rats, basically. Um, plays like Left 4 Dead, you know, four-player cooperative, different classes, stuff like that, and that's why I didn't play Vermintide one once I saw that because I I wasn't in the mood to party up with three strangers. And I don't even know if you can go at it solo, but I, I just didn't feel like doing that. Kind of interested in Vermintide 2, though. I hear it's good. Uh, leaving Game Pass in July, uh, June 30th will be the last day you can play Resident Evil 6, Monaco, What's Yours is Mine, and Bard's Gold. Uh, Monaco, What's Yours is Mine was given out as a Games with Gold right after, I think, I want to say it was right after I got my Xbox One, and it was an interesting game, but not necessarily something I would recommend or even go back to. Uh, Resident Evil 6 is one of the, the divisive Resident Evil games where I know people that love it, and I know of people that love it, and then I know people that absolutely hated it. I have never played it, and it looks like I'm never going to get the opportunity to, or at least not in, the, not in the immediate future. And Bard's Gold, I have no idea what it is. So... There you have that. So uh, we also received in the last couple days notice of what would be the July 2018 Games with Gold. Uh, for Xbox One, you have Assault, Android, Cactus, and Death Squared. And then on the 360, which also means on Xbox One, uh, Virtual Fighter 5 and Splinter Cell Conviction. Assault, Android, Android, Cactus, from what I understand, is a dual-stick shooter. Looks interesting. Never heard of it prior to this. I will definitely check it out. Uh, it did not immediately put me off, despite having that stupid name. And then Death Squared is a puzzle game uh, that I've heard lots of good things about, but have never played myself. Virtual Fighter 5 is Virtual Fighter 5. It's a fighting game. Fifth game in that series. 
And then Splinter Cell Conviction. I don't think I've ever played Conviction. I know I played the one that followed it, Blacklist, which was the first Splinter Cell to not have Michael Ironsides in it. But I'm interested in Conviction. I mean, it, it's free. Well, why would I not check it out, you know? And then we also got our PlayStation Plus free games, uh, Heavy Rain and Absolver for the PlayStation 4, Rayman 3 HD and Deception 4 for PlayStation 3, Space Overlords and Zero Escape Zero Time Dilemma for the PlayStation Vita. Typically the Vita games show up on PlayStation 4 as well, so I'm interested in Zero Escape Zero Time Dilemma. I've heard good things about it. I'm very interested in Heavy Rain. Uh, I already have Beyond Two Souls because they gave that away a couple months ago, and I'm interested in uh, Detroit Become Human. The only David Cage game I've ever played is uh, what was it? It was called Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy. Uh, I enjoyed it, never finished it. I've always wanted to play Heavy Rain, but I did not have a PlayStation Three, and I have not yet bought it on Four. I am glad I held off on purchasing it because. I will very much look forward to uh, jumping into Heavy Rain for the first time in the coming weeks. Absolver is a online fighting game uh, where you learn moves from fighting other people. It's got an interesting art style. I've never played it. It was not something I would ever purchase, but hell, they're giving it away for free, so I'll certainly look at it then. Uh, Rayman 3... It's a Rayman game. I'm not a huge fan. Side-scrolling platformer. And uh, Deception 4, if I remember correctly, Deception is the game series where you murder people with traps. Uh, Space Overlords, I have no idea what it is. And like I said, Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma is just one that I have heard of before and heard positive things about. If those two Vita games come to the PlayStation 4, I will download them as well. Moving on to movie and TV news. We got an excellent trailer, in my opinion. In my opinion, the trailer was pretty fa fantastic for uh, Shane Black's new Predator movie. Got a good look at the, what I think they called it the Ultimate Predator, and the regular Predators. It's I, I love the Predator franchise. Uh, Shane Black has made some good movies. I'm very interested in seeing what he does with the license. Uh, Jared Leto was announced to be playing Morbius in yet another Spider-Man villain offshoot film that may not include Spider-Man. Uh, I don't know what Sony's doing. Uh, you know, we got Spider-Man, who's a Sony property, over in the MCU. But then Sony's saying, like, well, they're using Spider-Man, so we'll just make movies about his villains, but not include him. Uh, Jared Leto's Joker is my least favorite Joker of all time. I actually like the Joker from Batman 66 better than the Jared Leto Joker. Um... I don't know anything about Morbius other than him being like a vampire. So I, I don't have any ground for him to uh, to have any like preconception. Like I don't have any fandom of Morbius. So the likelihood of me viewing it as a complete and total fuck up is probably less um, than with, with Joker, who I, you know, is one of my favorite villains of all time. Uh, but I, I just, I'm befuddled by what Sony's doing with the, Spider-Man characters without Spider-Man movie-verse that they're making. Uh, Jonathan Kasdan is apparently signed on to uh, write the Indiana Jones 5 script. Um, 
which means they're not completely forgetting that Crystal Skulls exist if they're going to consider it the fifth Indiana Jones movie. Um, I, th- I like to think of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull as like a fever dream. But it, uh, Kasdan, you know, has several recent writing credits, including the, uh, the co-writing credit with his father on Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, Kasdan is... And this is actually kind of an interesting uh, sub-story here. Is, uh, Kasdan's father, Jonathan Kasdan's father, Lawrence, uh, wrote the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And uh, the guy that Kasdan's replacing wrote uh, <laughs> Crystal Skull. So that, that's an interesting little layer there. That uh, what's, how's his, How do you pronounce his name? David Coop wrote Crystal Skull, and he was writing Indiana Jones 5. But now he's stepped down, and Jonathan Kasdan, Lawrence Kasdan's son, is stepping up to write Indiana Jones 5. Um, I, I hope they get this movie done. Harrison Ford's really old. And, you know, now they're looking at a schedule change and all sorts of stuff. Um, let's see. What, hold, give me a second to look up the, the schedule change. Okay, originally it was supposed to start filming in April of 2019, so that way it would have a July 2020 release. But now that there's been all these changes to the creative team and whatnot, uh, they will no longer be out. It will no longer be out on July 2020, and they have not announced the new release date. So I pray to God they get this movie done, um, and that it's good. Both those things need to happen uh, because I love the Indiana Jones franchise. I did not like Crystal Skull. I want to see them do a proper send-off for Indiana Jones. That'll be the last time Harrison Ford plays the character, apparently. Uh, and Spielberg has previously said he will not make a Indiana Jones movie without Harrison Ford. So who knows if that means if this is his last Indiana Jones movie, does this mean there will be no more Indiana Jones, or are we going to get a shitty reboot down the line? Who knows? But this fifth one, I hope is I certainly hope, is really good. In other pre-production news, uh, Matt Reeves' Batman movie is now hiring a production crew. Uh, Still no word on if Batman is going to be Ben Affleck or who, uh, but we now know that they're at least gearing up to make the movie if they're hiring a production crew. Uh, Also completely unrelated, but super surprising. I did not know this until today, uh, but they're making a new Doom movie, and it's going to be straight to video. Uh, the article I read said straight to DVD, but I assume that means straight to Blu-ray. Um, I don't know why this is happening. Uh, the original Doom was not good um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, even uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, could not save the original Doom. Um, I don't know why they would do this. Straight to video movies are never good. Unless it's, you know... By straight to DVD, straight to video, they actually mean Netflix type streaming services, but I think it would say that. Like, if Netflix was making a Doom movie, we would know. Uh, Terry Crews, moving on. Uh, Terry Crews was testifying in front of Congress this week, and he revealed in this, uh, during this testifying testimony, whatever you want to call it, um, he revealed that he will not be a part of Expendables 4. I didn't even know they were making Expendables 4, but apparently it's in production, pre-production. And this all comes from the sexual assault allegations 
Mr. Cruz made. I, I forget the name of the uh, asshat that walked up and grabbed Terry Cruz by the junk, um, which, you know, people like to, to shit all over the idea of men being sexually assaulted, but that's, I mean, if that's not sexual assault, I don't know what is. Um, he was told by the, uh, a producer whose name I did not write down. Um, I'm sure you can find this story if you're interested in it. Uh, he was told by the producer of Expendables 4 that he needed to drop the assault allegations if he wanted to be a part of the movie. And Terry Crews, to his credit, said this is, you know, a line in the sand kind of moment. And as a matter of principle, he said, okay, I'm not part of Expendables 4 anymore. It's kind of sad. I like Terry Crews' character in Expendables a lot. Uh, he's one of the one of the funnier parts of the movie of the movies. Um, I think it's horseshit that this game is being played. You know, in, in this era, when you know the Harvey Weinstein's and Bill Cosby's of the world have had a big ass spotlight shined on their bad behavior, it's absolutely ridiculous that there are still people in Hollywood who will play this game. And more power to Terry Crews for stepping forward and for being a man of principle. Like every, every time I read something like this about Terry Crews, the more I like him, you know, I always thought he was funny. I always thought he was entertaining, but now it's like, you know, I'm starting to really enjoy the man, not as the characters he played, but as like a human being, like I'm just impressed with him. You know, like that's a, that's a big, bold move to make and truly worthy of applause. Spider-Man Homecoming 2 was uh, recently given a, uh, a the, the full title got out there. It's going to be called Spider-Man Far From Home. It's uh, going to feature Peter Parker and friends on, in, a, uh, in Europe taking a vacation, class trip, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the big thing, though, is is that the the way that Marvel is dancing around the, the spoiler ending of uh, Infinity War... Uh, I'll be nice, even though Infinity War is a couple months old, I'll be nice and not spoil it. Um, but given what happens in Infinity War, if you don't already know, and if you do know, you know what happened. Um, originally, and I forget the name of the person who was quoted in the interview, but it was stated that Sp- Spider-Man Far From Home takes place minutes, in quotes, after the end of Avengers 4, which, you know, has not come out yet. Given what occurred in Infinity War and what Kevin Feige said about what happened in Infinity War, I want to see some... I'm kind of seeing some creative dancing here by Marvel as far as, like, the big thing that happened in Infinity War that I'm still not going to spoil for you. Um... If you want spoilers for Infinity War, go back and listen to my Infinity War spoiler podcast. They did some things in Infinity War that make that statement about Spider-Man taking place after, immediately after Avengers 4. You know, it's an interesting little position they put themselves in. And it's also like um, James Gunn just tweeted this week a finished first draft of an image of a, a finished first draft of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Volume 3. 
another thing that is very interesting to think about given the events of Infinity War. And all it does is it makes me super excited or anxious about Avengers 4 coming out because i got to see where they go and how it wraps up. Um, this will be the end of Phase 3, Avengers 4 well. Um, and I look for there to be big changes on the other side of that. Uh, Kevin Feige was in the news uh, later this week, or you know, earlier this week from now. But you know, towards the end of the week, there was news from Kevin Feige that um, we're going to see a demographic shift in the MCU, where there'll be more women than men heroes by the by the time all is said and done. And because uh, you know, some people are clamoring for an A Force movie, which is the all female Avengers team, and uh, I would like to see an A Force movie personally. Uh, but he's he responded by saying, you know, we're going to reach a point where it's, it, we're, we're not going to be looking at it as all men, all female. It's just going to be, you know, 60-40, I'm paraphrasing, um, women to men. Uh, DC got out, of, out there and uh, announced a new streaming service, which I'm kind of bummed about. Like, I knew, I kind of knew this was going to happen because I had heard it when they were talking about the live-action Teen Titan series. Uh, but now it's official. Um, there's no word on how much it's going to cost, uh, but I don't need everybody to have a streaming service. Like, it's bad enough that there's Hulu-exclusive shows and Netflix-exclusive shows, and, and you know, then e- networks have their own streaming services. Like, CBS has one. I'm sure ABC has one. Um, cable channels have streaming services. Like, everybody and their fucking mother has a streaming service. And it bums me out that some of these DC properties are going to be on the DC-only streaming service. Because uh, they we, they showed us some some stills some images of what Robin's gonna look like. He looks fantastic. Uh, they're bringing back Young Justice. There's gonna be a Swamp Thing show. There's gonna be a Doom Patrol show. Um, who knows what else is gonna populate the DC Universe streaming service? But like it's there's this stuff that I'm interested in seeing. I'm not gonna be able to see it because it's gonna be on a service I'm not going to pay for. I mean, even even if it was five bucks a month, I don't think you could convince me to pay for it, because I'm already paying for so many other streaming services. My my girlfriend and I, between Netflix and and New Japan and and then the, you know the, the um, Amazon Prime and you know we don't do Hulu, but you know there's just so many others, and we already are so far behind on all the stuff that's on the stuff that we do watch, that uh, there's neither time nor money for another streaming service. So that kind of bums me out. Uh, Jeremy Irons, speaking of staying in the DC family, um, has apparently joined HBO's Watchmen series. Very interested in this series. It's something that, like, speaking of not paying for streaming services, um, like when Game of Thrones is on, I'll pay to have the HBO Go streaming service for the duration of Game of Thrones. Um, when American Gods was on, I was willing to pay to see American Gods, and then I canceled my star streaming. Patrick, I'm sorry, I, I jumped out ne- to the next story. Uh, Jeremy Irons and the Watchmen series, I'm very interested in it. I'm not sure it's the sort of thing, though, that's going to get me to pay for HBO again, even for the run of the show. Like, I'm going to have to wait and see what people think of it. I'm not going to you know, throw down the 12 15 bucks, whatever it is. For HBO again for the duration of Watchmen. Uh, right now I'm just waiting on Game of Thrones to come back so I can see the end. The story I almost jumped into is um, 
Patrick Stewart is close to finalizing a deal to return to Star Trek. Uh, no word on how that's going to happen. Um, but I like this idea. Uh, I grew up with Next Generation. It was my Star Star Trek. Um, Patrick Stewart was my Starfleet captain. You know, like I was never a huge Star Trek nerd, but I did enjoy Next Generation. Um, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, they were all right. Uh, the old ones, the original Star Treks, also all right. But Next Generation was the one I grew up with. And so I like the idea of him being back. I don't know how that is going to work. I don't know, but, you know, there's all sorts of different theories and rumors about how it's going to work. But I like the idea of him returning because Picard is an iconic character. And the last bit of news, the Netflix Witcher series is apparently close to casting Geralt and Ciri, two of the most important characters in the whole series. Uh, obviously Geralt being the Witcher. Um, very excited for this show. I, I, I know it's a long way off, but I love the Witcher novels. I love the... Uh, Love the Witcher novels. I, I love The Witcher Three. I enjoyed Witcher Two. Uh, I like the story of Witcher Two way more than the actual gameplay. But I, I love that universe, and I can't wait for this show to be put together and come out. I just hope they cast it well. I hope it's well written and well put together. I look forward to it, though. That's that's going to be a good time. And to close this week's show out, I wanted to briefly discuss the. Uh, the whole gaming addiction thing that was uh, brought to the news last week, week before, um, by the World Health Organization, UN's, uh, the UN group, that classified gaming addiction as a real thing. Um, I forget the governing body here in America that uh, puts out the, the, the manual of mental health disorders and afflictions uh they seem to disagree with the world health organization on this one i am prone to agree with them this is the same group that says sex addiction isn't a real thing uh, not that it, that sex like uh not that people can't ruin their lives in a similar manner to having an addiction with sex um i think gaming is similar to that I, I don't like and the reasoning behind that is is all the articles I've read on the topic uh, both gaming and sex addiction have pointed out to the fact that like addiction has a very real clinical term or terminology definition and sex and video games don't seem to trigger the same thing in the brain that like beer and nicotine and cocaine and you know street drugs do like that's the, that's the difference no one is saying you can't overindulge in certain activities um but the the act the the thought that it's an actual addiction is where the the hairs are being split um and, and i i'm not an expert in the matter i've never been to you know i don't have a, a phd in psychology or anything uh but I tend to believe the experts when they say these things, that it's more of an impulse control issue. You, you have a serious impulse control issue um, if you are letting sex 
or games destroy your life. You know, it's not a chemical dependency. It's it's a set of poor decision-making skills is kind of what they're saying. And again, not an expert myself, but it's it's something I, I, I would lean towards believing from them when they say these things. That like, you know, if someone says, I have to have sex with that person. Or someone says, I can't go to work because I'm playing this video game. That's poor decision making. That's, you know, like, and and let me rephrase. If someone says, I have to have sex with that person regardless of what it means for my health or my relationship statuses or anything like that, status. Um, Or someone says, I'm going to call off work for the fifth day in a row to play Minecraft or whatever. Um, That's poor decision making that that's impulse control issues like that's one of the things that in the world health organization write up about gaming addiction that's one of the things they listed is that you would rather play a video game than go outside socialize or go to work um hate to break it to you but most people i know that play video games would rather play the video game than go to work or often socialize or leave their home like i know a lot of introverted people a lot of people who hate their jobs a lot of people who aren't big into socializing um, that would rather play video games than do that. The same folk are the type that would rather read a book than go to work. And you don't hear of a reading addiction. You know, uh, so one of the, the measures of gaming addiction, I forget the arbitrary hour count they used. But it, it, like there was an article related to this that says something about like, I play video games 20 hours a week. I'm addicted. Um the average person in America watches more TV than that. There was some uh, study done the other day or that I saw in the lead up to this that uh, the average American watches four hours of TV a day. That's almost 30 hours a week. And there's not, the World Health Organization isn't out there saying TV addiction. This is, I think this is, this is more of that just demonizing video games I think is what we're what we're doing here it's just more of that uh, people enjoy these things so therefore they have to be bad you know and I'm not saying people can't ruin their lives playing video games balance is important so with anything whether it's food or alcohol or sex games entertainment um, gambling you know, anything, any, any sort of activity that is enjoyable or substance that is enjoyable, moderation is key. And this is, a, this is speaking of someone who plays a lot of fucking video games. You have to have balance. There's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with, you know, coming home from work after a shitty-ass day at work. You know, you hate your job. You hate your boss. You hate your coworkers. You know, you're not happy. And you fucking fire up your Xbox, your PlayStation, your PC, your goddamn Switch. And you play some video games for a couple hours. You unwind. In fact, I'd say that's probably healthier than going to the bar and drinking yourself to death. You know, games can be social. They cannot be social. They can be isolated. You know, single player things where you just get wrapped up in the story of, you know, The Witcher or whatever. But... That has got to be infinitely more healthy than crawling inside a whiskey bottle. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, 
the point I'm trying to make as I, as my eyelids get heavier and heavier here is, uh, make smart decisions, do things in moderation, don't overindulge, exercise self-control and self-discipline. It's a discipline issue. Uh, it's, um, I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about marijuana, you know, the idiot who gets so baked that he can't remember anything and then just, just a sloppy stoner, you know, the, the, the kind that, you know, the, the most negative visualization you have in your head of what a, a stoner is. That's an individual who has a lack of discipline, makes poor decisions and has impulse control issues, you know, like. There are plenty of successful folk who smoke weed. There are plenty of successful f- folk who who drink. They're not as long as you can control it. That that's the key. You know, if you're calling off work and losing your job over a video game, that that is a discipline issue, and that's something you got to work on. That's not the game's fault. You know, if you play too much Grand Theft Auto Five, and your life has fallen apart, your girlfriend's left you, you lost your job, you're about to be evicted, that is not Rockstar Studios' fault. That is your fault. And it's not something you have to do. Addictions are things you, like, you've you have a, your body has a dependency on them. Your body will not survive without them, or so it thinks. Things like video games don't match that. You know, it, it's completely mental. It's completely disciplined. It's completely decision-making. At least that's my two cents. Um, come at, you know, that's coming as a guy who has plenty of experience being around legit drunks, people with legit addictions, seen them struggle with them, seen them fail. Seeing them pick themselves back up, seeing them clean themselves up. Playing video games till your life falls apart. It's not addiction. That's poor decision making. And that's that's where I'm gonna end this video game podcast. I'm very pro video game. But I'm also pro not wrecking your life over them. Like I said, if your girlfriend's leaving you and you're about to be evicted and you've lost your job over a fucking video game, you definitely have a problem. But I'm hesitant to call it an addiction strictly because as so many articles I have read on Psychology Today and other other such places, addiction has a hard clinical definition to it. And choosing to do things is not the same thing as being addicted to the thing. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We went the full hour. I was actually actually surprised myself. But uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening every week. I'll see you next week, same time, here on the Ordinary Podcast. See you then.